chapter 23. The subversion of the church brought about by a council. The details of the enterprise of subverting the church and the papacy planned by the Masonic sect were seen more than a century ago by a great illumine, Canon Rocca. Bishop Rudolf Graeber, in his book Athanasius, quotes the works of this Rocca, a priest in 1858, honorary canon in 1869. Excommunicated afterwards, he preached revolution and announced the coming of the synarchy. In his writings, he often speaks of a newly illuminated church, which would be, he declares, influenced by the socialism of Jesus and his apostles. He wrote, The new church, which will probably no longer be able to keep anything of the teaching and of the primitive form of the ancient church, will nonetheless receive the blessing and the canonical jurisdiction from Rome. Rocca also proclaimed the liturgical reform. He writes, Divine worship such as the liturgy, the ceremonial, the ritual, such as the prescriptions of the church regulate them, will undergo a transformation following an ecumenical council, which will give it back the respectable simplicity of the apostolic golden age, in accordance with the new conditions of consciousness and of modern civilization. Rocha specifies the fruits of this council. He writes, One thing will stand out which will astound the world and which will throw the world onto its knees before its Redeemer. This thing will be the demonstration of the perfect accord between the ideals of modern civilization and the ideals of Christ and His gospel. This will be the consecration of the new social order and the solemn baptism of modern civilization. In other words, all the values of the so-called liberal culture will be recognized and canonized following the council in question. Then you have what Rocca writes about the Pope. He writes, A sacrifice is being prepared, which will introduce a solemn penance. The papacy will fall. It will die under the sacred knife that the fathers of the last council will forge. The pontifical Caesar is the consummated host for the sacrifice. It must be admitted that all of this is likely to happen, as Rocca states, unless our Lord prevents it. Rocca finally designates the new priests who will appear, with the name of Progressive. He speaks of the suppression of the cassock, of the marriage of priests, so many prophecies. Observe how Rocca indeed saw the determining role of a final ecumenical council in the subversion of the church. It is not only the enemies of the church who have put their finger on the confusion that an ecumenical council would bring, which met at a time when the liberal ideas had already well penetrated the church. At the secret consistory of May 23, 1923, relates Father Dulac, Pius XI questioned the cardinals of the Curia on the timeliness of summoning an ecumenical council. There were about thirty in attendance, Mary de Val, de Lye, Gaspari, Bojani, Bio. Cardinal Bio was saying, 
The existence of profound differences in the midst of the episcopacy itself cannot be concealed. They run the risk of giving place to discussions that will be prolonged indefinitely. Bojani recalled the modernist theories from which he said, a part of the clergy and of the bishops are not exempt. He writes, This mentality can incline certain fathers to present motions, to introduce methods incompatible with Catholic tradition. Cardinal Bio is still more precise. He expresses his fear of seeing the council maneuvered by, quote, the worst enemies of the church, the modernists who are already getting ready as certain indications show to bring forth the revolution in the church, a new 1789. When John XXIII revived the idea already cherished before him by Pius XI to summon an ecumenical council, Father Capriel relates as follows. He read the documents in the course of some walks in the Vatican Gardens. That is all. His decision was made. On several occasions he affirmed that he had made it under a sudden inspiration of the Holy Ghost. John XXIII writes, Obeying an interior voice that we consider as having come directly from a higher impulse, we have judged the moment to be opportune to offer to the Catholic Church and to all the human family a new ecumenical council. This inspiration from the Most High, this divine solicitation as he still called it, he received on January 25, 1959, while he was preparing to celebrate a ceremony at St. Paul's outside the walls in Rome. He unburdened himself about it immediately after the ceremony to the eighteen cardinals present. Was this inspiration truly divine? That seems doubtful. Its origin seems to me to be something else altogether. In any case, a consideration of an old friend of Cardinal Roncalli, the future John XXIII, is enlightening on this subject. At the news of the death of Pius XII, the old Dom Lambert Baudouin, a friend of Roncalli's, confided to Father Bouillet the following, If they elect Roncalli, everything would be saved. He would be capable of calling a council and of consecrating ecumenism. As Father Bonterre shows, Dom Lambert Baudouin knew Cardinal Roncalli well. He knew in 1958 that Roncalli, once having become Pope, would bring ecumenism to reality, and that he would do this, if at all possible, by means of a council. Indeed, he who speaks of ecumenism speaks of religious liberty and liberalism. The, quote, revolution in Tiara and Cope was not an improvisation. I will attempt in the next chapter to allow you to relive the unfolding of this at the time of the Second Vatican Council. <laughs>